Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. On today's show, we look back at Toronto and Cleveland games, two losses, but two encouraging performances. And did Steve Clifford hold the starters out too long? And David, how hard is it to work a shot clock? We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are locked on Hornets. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets. It's Hornets Talk for the Hardcore Fan. On this Monday, we are back at it with uh, David Walker. He's back from vacation. David, how are you, my friend? Doug, I leave town for a few days, and the Hornets go on a losing streak. What up, man? Uh, well, I think we found the culprit then. You are clearly <laughs> uh, a more of a good luck charm than you thought you were. I'm back. I'm back now. All right. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in B-E-A-U-T-Full Uptown Charlotte. And I'm Doug Branson. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Go to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcast on the NFL, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest growing podcast network in the world. I was listening to a podcast, David, on esports, on video game. I think I think that Locked On may need to get an esports podcast it's growing oh right the video games the gamers yeah you, you are you into that at all david did it pass Man, you? i need to, is it is it a little too late in the game for you uh, oh it certainly passed me by i need to get back into it though so that's a goal uh for me to get back into it so maybe that will help do you play do you podcast. play anything in no, your spare no, no. time nothing no, no, no iphone games I'm sorry, you said, what kind of time? Spirit? No, no, no. no. There's, no there's none of that. None of that going on either. It's true. People ask me about games that I play. I'm like, anything that I, if I get a minute with, with the Hornets uh, and life in general and a day job, it's tough. It's tough. But okay. I, I respect people who work it in. Absolutely. Everyone's busy, but you know, there's there will be a time. There will come a time. I'm eyeing a, a PS4. Man, see, I don't even have a PlayStation 4. That's, that's just... What are you working I mean, with? Is this original PlayStation? You still playing Crash, no, cra- little Crash no, Bandicoot? No. <laughs> I don't uh, think PS3. they have that on the esports circuit. <laughs> PS3. But Russell did hook me up. I did get hooked up with NBA 2K17 for Russell, PS4. Russell from atthehive.com. Right. So and Hot Tamales, shout out. So um, I need to <laughs> I need to get on that. I'm gonna get the PS4. Sorry, guys. Okay, let's get to some Hornets talk. That's what the people want to hear. Uh, we'll we'll start with a few thoughts from the Toronto game. I really only have one thought that I'd like to discuss from the the loss to the Toronto Raptors. It was a close one, one thirteen to one eleven. That final score there in Charlotte. I wanted to go to this game very badly. Uh, but I had some, uh, not major medical issues, but enough to keep me uh, out of the game, unfortunately, a pretty righteous stomachache. Mm. So uh, I didn't get to go to the game, but I did get to watch it on television. I got to hear the the sweet, uh, soothing tones of, of one Eric Collins. But David, your thoughts from this Toronto game, and then I'll give my one thought. So just an NBA League Pass update for you real quickly, Doug. <laughs> um, okay. 
I was out of the Charlotte metro area. So I was in a place that also did not give me my Fox Sports Southeast. And so I was at the mercy of the Wi-Fi. And that did not go well. The Wi-Fi connection there was not good. The streaming was down. I had to wait until the morning to watch the condensed version of the game, which might be my favorite feature of NBA League Pass. You know, you can go in and watch these entire games in about 20 or 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's, fant- it's fantastic. It's like a, it's um, like a juiced-up highlight package, essentially. It's giving you all, most of the offensive possessions for Right, for right. So you miss some of the nuance, but, I mean, you get the feel for the overall game. But So my takeaway for this game could be a little truncated. I'll, I'll lean on you for that. But, I mean, DeRozan, okay, so you talked about him before the game, uh, leading up to this game. I mean, he's been on fire, and he was legit. He was, from what I saw, every bit as good as he's been to start the season, especially down the stretch when they needed a basket, and they got tough ones from him. Kimba was awesome. Um, but I mean, the points in the paint seem to be the biggest issue for the Hornets in this one, Doug, along with, you know, the comeback is great and, and, and it's hard to swallow that loss when you make the big comeback, but I don't think you can get down like that to a really good team. Um, and then expect to get back in it all the way and, and even pull it out, even though you're at home. Um, that was a tough one to get down early. I mean, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I had similar thoughts to you, David, but uh, my my big takeaway, and I don't want to spend too much time on this game because we got to dig into this uh, loss to Cleveland that happened uh, on, mm-hmm. on Sunday afternoon, but my big takeaway, and I tweeted this, and I didn't really get a chance to explain the tweet because I wasn't feeling well, and I don't often explain tweets, and it's only 140 characters, so on and so forth, but I essentially said on Twitter, you know, this game to me, especially the end of the game, highlighted how important star power and I should have tweeted superstar power because here's the thing Kimball Walker was amazing he had a performance what 40 10 and 6 that we haven't seen from a Charlotte Hornet ever okay it was an amazing uh, uh, singular performance by Kimball Walker but in the fourth quarter late in the game the Toronto Raptors Dwayne Casey credit to him decided to blitz every single one of Kimba Walker's pick and rolls and they forced the ball out of his hands you know deep in the backcourt and they were really able to stifle what he had done the entire game previous okay they schemed him out of the game and Steve Clifford said after the game you can't scheme against what DeMar DeRozan was doing which was getting the ball in isolation backing down to the elbow and, and knocking down a mid-range shot. Right now, DeMar DeRozan it has the same average point per shot on a mid-range jumper than the average person has on an above-the-break three. That's right. amazing because we hear all the time the reason the mid-range game is dying is because you can, you can shoot worse from three and still have more points per shot than you would on the same percentage or you know, better on a two-point shot just because of math. You get an extra point. But um, DeMar DeRozan is doing it at the same level as someone who shoots an average uh, from from the three-point line, which is amazing. But so that's where, that's what I was tweeting about. It's, it's a separation for me, and I don't know if DeMar DeRozan can sustain this. I don't know if he becomes a superstar, but it illustrates for me the difference between superstar 
and star from like transcendent player to really, really good player. And that's what Kemba is. He's he's upped his game and maybe he takes it to another level that we haven't seen later in this season or next season. I think he's at an all-star level right now. I just don't think oh, yeah. I think Kemba's size limitations allow him to be, and we saw this against Miami, allow him to be schemed out of a game. Whereas I, that's how I've always defined superstar, David. Someone you can't at the end of a game, you can't take their game away without throwing three or four players at them, and and that's ridiculous. You're never going to do that. But that that's what Demar Derozan showed me, and, and and that's important in the NBA. That was a playoff game, by the way. That game against Toronto, that was playoff level basketball. Love to yeah, see that I'm, seven games. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. I do think there's, you know, it's like I said after that game, that's not a bad loss. I know it doesn't feel like that. I know it probably feels like a bad loss, especially when you're at home, especially when you make the big comeback and all you need to do is close it out. But look, these the last two teams the Hornets have played were Eastern Conference finalists last year. I do think the Raptors have reached that level of knowing how to win, and they've got veteran players, and they do have superstar in DeRozan. And we haven't even mentioned Kyle Lowry. Um, who's also you know a top point guard in his own right. So they go get, oh, but they go a little bit against the trend, Doug. I mean, you look at where they're shooting from. They don't get a lot of points from threes. There, a lot of their stuff is mid range, and a lot of that is DeRozan. But you know, if you watched him any this year, he's got all the shots. I mean, was there a shot that night that you were watching that where, you know, every other one was like, oh my god, that's a really tough shot, but he makes it look super easy. Not one I can think in particular. I'm just amazed at how he starts at the three point line and is able to take one step in and knock down and knock down a yeah. shot. And again, yeah. it's length, it's it's size. Uh, Demar Derozan right now working with the full package, and he continues to impress. So, but Doug, it, yeah, Doug, let me ask you one thing on that game, and this may carry over a little bit in this Cavs game. But I mean, the offensive execution down the stretch. I mean, you hit on it a little bit with talking about Kemba, but the other guys. I mean, didn't really step up in the late game scenarios. I mean, there wasn't ex- executed very well. The Hornets gave up some turnovers and just didn't seem to get good shots down the stretch when they needed to after they kind of gave up that lead. Is that the same feeling you got watching that game? Well, again, you said it transitions into the Cavs game where I thought the Cavs also did a good job uh, in the middle of this game, less so late in the game of trapping Kimba Walker. And the Hornets just have to figure out how to um, – get guys open or or guys have to figure out how to get open and be available and then more importantly knock down shots late I thought uh, you know Nick Batum had an opportunity uh, to knock down an elbow jumper late in this Cavs game that he didn't and those are Mm -hmm. you know when you're playing elite teams you know normally say well you know it's a make or miss league sometimes shots go in sometimes they don't well look if you're wide open at the elbow and you have a chance to cut the lead against an elite team you do it um so that's my thought on that let's let's go to cleveland let's go to cleveland where the hornets were looking to bounce back from this tough loss against toronto and beat the world champs the hornets got off to a tough start going down 10 points in the first quarter despite another blazing hot start by kimba walker in the second quarter the bench unit once again stepping up the Hornets went on a 20-7 run on the back of three Marco Bellinelli threes. He was a hot tamale in that first half. The Hornets in the half up one to the fourth. The Hornets' second unit gets a chance to hold on. They get a chance to make a sequel to that first half performance. 
but instead it was LeBron James who took over. James and backup forward Channing Frye combined for 22 of the Cavs' 29 fourth quarter points. The Cavs win this one 100-93. The Hornets move to 6-3 and three after that 6-1 and one start. It was, back, it was a back-and-forth game, but ultimately it all came down to the final quarter. Here's Marvin Williams and his breakdown of the final 12 minutes. A couple of breakdowns. They made a couple of shots. Uh, a couple of plays didn't go our way, obviously. Uh, it just happens like that sometimes, man. We'll look at the film and see where we can get better, and hopefully in Minnesota we'll have a better outing in the fourth quarter. All right, so Marvin, positive after this game that they can get things back on track against Minnesota. What did you see late in this game, David? Well, late in the game, and especially kind of in the second half, I mean, I thought the rebounding was big for Cleveland, and, and Charlotte just couldn't seem to grab some of those defensive rebounds that they needed. Once in a while, they lead to another three-pointer from Cleveland. Um, and the center position in this game was a big letdown for the Hornets. You know, they've been so strong to start this season. Hawes, Kaminsky, I'll throw Hibbert in there, although he's obviously been hurt uh, coming back. And Zeller, who was, you know, straddled with four fouls, registered zero points only four rebounds in just 14 minutes and not, you know, it didn't all come down to that, but I thought that center position gave a, you know, was kind of a, a big zero for this team uh, today. And when they needed a, just a little something. And again, I think on the boards is where they could have provided more punch, but again, Doug, I mean, down the stretch, um, you know, they had a chance to kind of swing things back their way. And LeBron, you know, kind of took over. He was out there more or less by himself. You mentioned to me after the game, but Channing Frye hit a bunch of big threes. I mean, that's what he's there to do. LeBron facilitated it and the Hornets couldn't counter that. So a little bit, same of that same flavor as you saw in the Raptors game, just not able to close late. Well, it's amazing when you play Cleveland and, and you expect the big three to play together and to sort of slice you, yeah, slice you and dice you together on the court at the same time. But instead, Cleveland showing you how deep they are and how they can spread their big three out in a game to systematically take you down. Kevin Love in that first quarter, I think he scored uh, 15 uh, points for them, 15 out of their 32 in the first quarter. He was on fire in the first. And then uh, Kyrie Love later in the game on the court, uh, Kyrie Love, Kyrie Irving (laughs) on the court. (laughs) See, I'm mixing them together now. That's how much they scare me. Uh, Kyrie Irving on the court against Ramon Sessions. They found a great matchup there and were able to put him with the bench unit and take down Ramon Sessions. So he got it going. And then uh, Teron Liu takes both of them out, puts LeBron in the fourth quarter in a lineup with Jordan McRae, Amon Shumpert, Richard Jefferson, Channing Fry. By the way, those five have played zero minutes together in this season, entering entering this game. So they, they go ahead and experiment against the Hornets, and, yeah. and it worked because... Uh, the bench unit for the Hornets, uh, especially I thought uh, the second unit bigs, just could not could not produce offensively no. and, and could not contain LeBron James and Channing Frye. That matchup that they got going, that pick and roll, really wasn't even a pick and roll game. It was LeBron driving and and the Hornets overhelping to to try to contain LeBron James and leaving Channing Frye, who you know he knocks down shots. That would that's what Channing Frye does. Yeah, and, exactly. And then on top of that, Channing Fry was somehow able to be more physical than Spencer Hawes and Frank Kaminsky and get some key offensive rebounds down the stretch. So, yeah, I mean, that's really what this game came down to. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll just say this, you know, um, a couple things go the Hornets way and you can pick, I guess you said it's for any game, uh, you know, it, it may have been different for him, but there was a late shot clock, uh, late shot clock possession where LeBron lost it, got it back and fired up with one second. They got it to go. There was the weird shot clock scenario where for some reason the shot clock reset on a deflected Yeah, can pass. I, can I go over that real quick and yeah. then we can talk about it because a lot of people yeah. on Twitter were upset about this. So, uh, basically the, the Hornets had, uh, they had LeBron James essentially trapped with less than two seconds to go on the shot clock, and he fires a pass inside that Marvin Williams deflects. And the score, the scoring table, for some reason, thought that that was a shot and reset the shot clock. And so there was or enough. Did they think they had possession. I couldn't figure maybe, it out. Maybe or maybe, regardless, yeah, maybe that it. happened as well. Regardless, the scoring table reset the shot clock, and they shouldn't have. And then several seconds went by before. Yeah, right, at least two before the refs blew the whistle. But I guess the refs determined it was a shot clock malfunction, so they just took the clock back to when the shot clock malfunctioned, which was about one and a half seconds to go. Um, so that is, but that essentially gave Cleveland a timeout to while they got that sorted out to sort of set up uh, a sidelines out of bounds play. And then Jordan McRae fouled by Marvin Williams with big quotation marks uh, fouled, and see, Marvin and Marvin on the broadcast. You, he was not uh, he was not pleased. Okay, he was not that, that that is the perfect scenario for the rest to correct that mistake. <laughs> and they know? doubled That's, they doubled down and on they it. doubled down. They, so, and then did McRae not hit a three? Well, yeah. Well, no. So what happens? The the shot clock resets to fourteen on a foul. So now they get another sidelines, or they get another you know uh, yeah. a chance to inbound it. Uh, this time, McRae gets switched on to MKG and hits a, just a clutch runner. Uh, MKG, yeah, I thought, gave him right. just a little, little too much space. But it is Jordan McRae. So you know, MKG yeah. just trying to protect the paint. And McRae hits his only, or I don't know if it was his only shot of the game. It was definitely his first shot of the game and and knocks it down just absolutely clutch. And then that was the Batum elbow shot that came next that I talked about. So that they, the Hornets, before that shot clock malfunction, had cut it to four points. Yeah. And, and they had the momentum. And, and I agree with some people on Twitter. I don't know if it was the turning point, and it's because I thought Batum – had a clean look at an elbow jumper. It didn't go down. Again, I think that's just a shot. We've seen him make that time and time again, and I've given him yeah. so much credit for making big shots and big moments. And this is one, I think he definitely, you know, he's a prof- he probably, he's not thinking too hard about it. It is a regular season game in, in November. But, um, you know, one that he definitely, you know, normally makes in that situation. And then the next mm-hmm. possession, LeBron comes down the court, they're up six, and he knocks down the the nail in the coffin three-pointer that put the Cavs up nine with uh, less yeah. than a minute to go. So that was all she wrote after that. Yeah, I mean, a tough way to end it and a tough way to have that break, go your, not go your way with that shot clock thing. I mean, anytime you have something like that, it's just like, come on, guys. That, that's just, <laughs> we don't need the this, this, this shot clock to go against us as well. Certainly a big moment. I mean, but, you know, you don't you don't know if, if that's going to change the outcome of the game, well, the props, way it was going. Yeah, and props to Steve Clifford, by the way. Did you hear him after the game? Nah. He was he was dancing around it. He And, and I, I felt that's, the, that's the right thing to do. The broadcast was not goading him, but definitely trying to just offer 
offer that up. Dell mentioned it, and then Steph sort of alluded to it after the game when she was interviewing Steve Clifford, and and definitely the the other scrum, the other media scrum, were trying to offer that to him. But but Steve Clifford, very disciplined, did not take the bait. Basically, said, you know. Uh, it's, it's one of those things. Yeah. Well, he said, you know, when, in a game like that, when things like that happen, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's frustrating essentially. And he didn't, but he did not get into specifics. Very, very smart of Steve Clifford. Uh, but you know, I think fans noticed it for sure. There oh, were a lot of people, sure. people on Twitter thinking, I mean, thinking was, there was a little scoring table home cooking. Which happens. Uh, and then the call I thought was also just doubled down. Like you said, made it, made it worse, but to my point, what I was getting at was just that, you know, those little things go, don't go your way against the NBA champions. And then you can't, you know, overcome that. It's, it's tough. I mean, that's a tough outing. So I took a lot away from that game, actually, even in the loss. I mean, we should mention MKG, Doug, 41 minutes, uh, 11 points, 10 rebounds, did a pretty admirable job on LeBron James for the most of this game, I thought, and, you know, hit a jumper at one point that was pretty big. So that's encouraging to see, I thought. Um, And the rest of the starters, like I said, really, if you take out the center position, the scoring was pretty evenly spread around. You had Marvin with 16, uh, Batum flirted with a triple-double with 15, 7, and 9. So I I didn't think it was the best game from the Hornets, and and it was kind of an odd game lineup-wise from the Cavs as well. But I'll tell you this much. I looked over at the Cavs bench at one point in that fourth quarter, and they were fired up like it was a playoff game. I mean, they knew that they were in a a fight with a good team. So I think Hornets fans, you guys can take some solace in that, that this was a good challenging game for the Hornets, a good measuring stick over the weekend. But I think you're in good position. I mean, what do you think, Doug? Were you more down on these two games or, or or positive about them? Well, I think it's it's frustrating in the sense that the Hornets were basically matched up with LeBron James and Channing Frye and then three scrubs, if I'm being completely honest, in the fourth in the entire fourth quarter, and they couldn't execute. I mean, you had Frank Kaminsky trying to post up LeBron and then Frank getting beat on defense as several possessions. I, I thought it was one of his worst stretches since that Miami series defensively. He could not stay with Richard Jefferson at all, had him completely flummoxed and off his feet. Uh, And then Ahaz could not finish around the rim to save his life. Um, I didn't notice. (laughs) They really need Roy Hibbert back. They really need Jeremy Lamb back, I think, to sort of reset the bench, get some. And here's the big takeaway from this game is that you have a team in Cleveland that knows themselves. They know their team and they can afford to experiment in the fourth quarter in a a regular season game in November, whereas the Hornets are trying to stick so close to their rotations they're not in experimentation mode because of the injuries that they sustained early on. They are in, let's Survival. try to figure out, <laughs> yeah, let's try to figure out our rotation mode. And right. we got a couple of questions, and I think this goes to the this question of, did the Hornets hold out the starters too long in, in the fourth quarter when it was clear that they were going to, going to stick when the Cavs were going to stick with LeBron and that bench unit, should the Hornets have put the starters in a little earlier? Um, David, I don't, I don't know what your take is. I have a very, have a very strong take on this. I think they were just trying to buy as much time as they could, Doug, um, and they figured they might be able to gain some time there. But, um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't I, – I don't think I don't I don't think that was a big factor. I don't think it was either. And here's the thing: if you look at it and you go back to maybe the Brooklyn game, I think was the last game where the rotations really held because Indiana Pacers they had they had them blown out, so they just put the the bench unit in for the entire fourth quarter. But if you go back, they really only kept the starters out 
20 to 30 seconds longer than they normally do. It was not... It, this was not a, a huge break in the rotation. Now you could argue again that well, Cleveland had their had LeBron and these uh, LeBron, Shumpert, Jefferson, Fry, McRae. So you have an opportunity to get your starters out there and jump on that. But I think that Clifford is really trying to hold his rotation as much as he can in order because it's not about and you, again you can. You can disagree with this or agree with this, but I think it's all about, for them, it's all about not necessarily beating the Cavaliers, but getting this team ready to win in April and May. And to do that, they have to get their rotation down, they have to get their playing groups together, and that's what Steve Clifford thinks makes successful basketball in the big picture. Uh, You know, maybe they could have schemed and and figured out a way to win that game by getting the starters in there early. But I just, I think they're trying to get a rhythm down. They're trying to get players established. You're going to play here, here, and here. The only, the only thing that they really did to break that up, as you mentioned, MKG 41 minutes, that's because they went into the game saying, if LeBron is on the court, MKG is on the court. And that worked um, for most of the game. LeBron James really uh, stifled by both MKG and Marvin Williams. But I'm just saying, David, they're working towards building something beyond beating Cleveland in November. And to do that, I feel like you have to keep your rotations pretty solid. And and they did that. It wasn't like they held them to the four-minute mark. It was about the 540 mark. And normally the starters come in in that fourth quarter around the six-minute mark. Yeah, I mean, game seven in the playoffs, you know, you may see something different, but I agree with you. They're trying to establish something. They're trying to get some bit of normalcy out there, even though they're missing some guys. So as much as you'd like to see them make a push there, um, even with, you know, you mentioned, I mean, you kind of see those other guys sitting on the bench for Cleveland and and you're thinking, oh, man, let's just get our guys in there and and maybe we can make a push. But I, I think you're right. You're dead on, Doug. They're trying to get something going here and establish some sense of normalcy. Let's see. Uh, Roy Hibbert came off the bench, played 13 minutes, did feel some soreness, I think, before this game or maybe after the last game that he played limited minutes. So I think he's going to continue to be limited uh, on Friday. I think they're still going to put him on minutes restrictions, but we'll we'll wait to see what Steve Clifford and the, and the rest of the staff have to say about that. We did get good news on Jeremy Lamb that he did run some non-contact stuff in practice before this uh, game on Sunday. So... Jeremy Lamb has an opportunity to play on Friday. Maybe, maybe not. It it would be nice, again, to get Jeremy Lamb back into this rotation. And I think because I think when you play, if I'm being completely honest, David, when you play Spencer Hawes and Frank Kaminsky together, you're either going to catch fire or or an ice cold bath. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's not, there's no real consistency there. When you when you play those two guys together, and I think Cleveland that Cleveland game, they didn't do that. Cleveland didn't do anything to necessarily other than attack Frank late in the game. They didn't do anything to really um, expose those players. They they sort of uh, they just they just didn't execute when they were on the floor together. And uh, I think it's something that they definitely have to look at. And I think Jeremy getting Jeremy Lamb and Roy Hibbert back will will help that as well. Final thought. Final thought for me, Doug, even the two losses coming out of this weekend stretch, again, you're playing against the two Eastern Conference finalists. 
You're playing against the current NBA champions, the world champions. So a lot of good to take away. I wouldn't feel too bad, guys, out there for dropping these two, even though I know you just want to get one of those signature wins. I think they're coming, but uh, for this team to keep going where they're going, I think they'll see, you know, you can see these teams matching up in the postseason, which would be really exciting, Doug. But I, I would feel encouraged out of these two games more than I would be disappointed. Well, think about the expectations that this team had from the national right. media and even from within us and, and what we heard from the team. The expectations were a little muted on this team, sure. and, and they are hanging with – they're competing with the best teams in the Eastern Conference. And, and I think they're taking these two games and going, okay, now we know – what we have right to there. do I mean, to to right win there. to win those games. You're competing, mm-hmm. and and the next step is is beating those teams. Uh, so again, next game on Tuesday night, we're going to have a, a live show from uh, starting at six o'clock. We'll, we'll end about six forty-five, seven o'clock, and then the Hornets tip off against Minnesota at eight o'clock Eastern, and then Friday this big matchup on Friday against division rival Atlanta Hawks. The first chance the Hornets will get to see Dwight Howard uh, against. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets in Charlotte. So that's going to be a fun game to both watch and attend. All right. Thanks for listening here to Locked On Hornets on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, give us a five-star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast, this podcast that is delivering daily Hornets news and analysis. There's nothing like it out there on the internet. Uh, We're delivering that to you every single day. Uh, shoot us your Hornets questions, thoughts to buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com. We're back again tomorrow morning and tomorrow night for the live show. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. So what if I like